And welcome to the boldness. My name's Phineas Mir, and I should just say that the boldness is all about grabbing your human rights, not just waiting for some well-meaning person to give them to you. Joining me, as he does just about every show, is Raphael Caleb. Hello, Raphael. Yep, this is Raphael, a rambling biologist. Caleb, good day, Finn. Hello, and what's coming up on today's show? Well, we are talking about a very important issue about accessibility to do with touchscreens and flexitellers. And I believe that we have now got Ricky Chaplin, who is the Advocacy Officer from Blind Citizens Australia, on the line. Welcome to the show, Ricky. Yeah, thank you very much, guys. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, Ricky, is it, why is touchscreens difficult for people who are visually impaired or blind? Uh, there's a number of reasons for it. Um, so let's look at the way that uh, touchscreens are designed in the first instance. So if we're talking about something like an iPhone, which is what I'm using now, that has been designed uh, with people who are blind or vision impaired and, in fact, people with all sorts of disabilities at the forefront of their um, of their design process. So at the design stage, people were consulted about what they needed to be able to do uh, with the touchscreen and how the touchscreen would actually operate. So with the iPhone, you have uh, particular gestures which are uh, readily able to be used by quite a number of people. And if you can't use those gestures, you have things, uh, features in the iPhone, for example, like um, being able to uh, delay the, uh, the gesture time, for example, or being able to perform an action uh, in some other way. Uh, so that was the difficulty with uh, touchscreen technology uh, that hasn't been designed with that consultation process with everyday people who are going to use the product uh, at the forefront of what they do. Uh, the second is, of course, that, yes, if, if you do have that lack of, uh, of alternatives, people that have issues such as uh, fine motor skill problems that can't use their hands well, uh, for example, whether they're blind or vision impaired or, or um, have full sight, uh, they are going to be excluded uh, from the use of a touchscreen if that's all it does, if that's the only way that you can operate it. So there, there's a couple of examples anyway of, of why touchscreens can work but also why they're very problematic. Right now, Ricky, is it... Let's take a this like there's a thing with flexi tellers that a lot of them are going to touch screens. Mm. Um, how does this actually make it difficult for people to use them? Okay, so if we if we use a commonly known uh, touch screen device such as the Albert, which is the FPOS touch screen device uh, released by the Commonwealth Bank, 
Uh, that device does have an accessibility mode. However, uh, that consultation process that I was just talking about didn't happen. And so uh, it's not possible for a lot of people uh, to enter their, their PIN number discreetly. Um, and in fact, a lot of people have to uh, give their PIN number to somebody else because they've never come across one of these devices before and you actually need to be trained to be able to use it. Uh, the, the idea of... Um, this sort of technology that everybody has to use every day is that it should be intuitive. You shouldn't have to learn how to how to use it uh, to conduct something like a simple transaction. And the same goes for for flexi tablets, as you mentioned. Um, so the reason that this has happened is that that consultation hasn't taken place. The banks have started rolling these things out without actually having spoken to anybody about it that actually uses it on a daily basis. So, so Ricky, is is the onus then on the the um, would the onus fall onto the the staff onto onto the staff members of the the restaurant or the where, wherever the wherever the the um, FPOS, the touchscreen FPOS machine would be used? Would the onus be on would the onus be on their staff to 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 be tr- trained so that so that they can give people that accessibility feature? Well, our argument is that the owner shouldn't be on the staff of any establishment, that it should be uh, on the people introducing the technologies, the banks, because staff turn over at a high rate in most sorts of, uh, of places, in restaurants and shops, in all kinds of different places. And uh, for staff to have to learn how to use the accessibility mode independently of how they operate the machine every day is an unreasonable ask. And also, it it doesn't guarantee that a person who is blind or vision impaired uh, will be able to access that device. Uh, Again, uh, if if a staff member, for example, has to turn that accessibility mode on and they don't know how to do it, which is very likely to be able to happen, then that defeats the whole purpose. Uh, And even if a person who's blind or vision impaired can turn that accessibility mode on themselves, not everybody is going to know how to do that because they simply aren't familiar uh, with uh, the, the kind of technology uh, that screen readers use, for example. So, no, we, we very much believe that the onus is on the banks, the large establishments, the corporations, uh, to think about the kind of technology they're introducing and also how it's going to be used by people with disabilities. But, but as I understand it, currently now under this system, the onus will be on the, the staff members to train their staff in how to use it. That Yes, that, that was uh, when you, you're correct. When the, when the Albert device in particular was released, uh, that was the thinking of uh, the Commonwealth Bank, yes. Um, we know from speaking to many, many business owners uh, and from reports coming in from members of Blind Citizens Australia that that, that training, uh, despite being uh, offered by the bank, apparently has not occurred for many, many staff members, many business owners. So it's proving to be an unreliable process. Well, I, look, I'm, look I'm totally, I totally understand uh, the position of Blind Citizens Australia is that clearly that if a person is using EFT, which is a very common way of paying, is that it creates an enormous difficulty. But more importantly is that 
as I understand that how banks carry on about security, about not disclosing PIN numbers, I'd like to know, it sounds like a major contradiction if a person who is visually impaired or blind has to give a PIN number to another person in order to actually pay. That's one of the strongest arguments against the way in which this technology has been introduced. And it's why, more broadly, uh, that uh, we're, we're currently uh, involved in an inquiry into the accessibility of banking generally and the development of uh, new banking standards which take into account these changes in technology which will continue to occur so that we can avoid these situations in future and it's, it's exactly what we've said to the banks in uh, trying to get them to stop the rollout of these devices until something uh, is developed which makes uh, the, the technology standard so that you don't have a situation where each bank's got a different device and you have to learn how to use each one to be able to just do a transaction. Uh, so, yeah, uh, you know, you're absolutely right. Um, it, it, it's one of the core reasons that this has gone too far now and that it, it needs to be prevented. What about what about the, the tap-and-go technology? Is that accessible for blind and vision-impaired people? Uh, people can use tap and go technology, um, yet that's uh, quite quite accessible in terms of being able to, to wave the card in front of the machine. It, it works reasonably well. Uh, however, uh, not all people with who don't have disabilities uh, choose to use tap and go because they've got security concerns. A person who's blind or vision impaired has the same right to be able to make that choice. And so if they don't want to use tap-and-go and would prefer to enter a PIN number, uh, regardless of the amount of money that they, they're, uh, they're spending on the transaction, then that, that's their right to be able to do so. Well, is it, Ricky, is it again, is that this is a very valid point. I mean, let's, I'm going to expand on this idea of tap-and-go here for a minute, and I'm going to invite you to comment at the end of it. Now, with tap-and-go... If a person is visually impaired and it is tap and go and they can't actually see the amount which they're going to do tap and go to, what makes them, how are they going to actually do a check to see if they actually paid the right amount? Yeah, that's correct. There, there is no accessible receiving method uh, at this point, at, at the point of sale. Uh, there are some facilities, I understand, that will email receipts. Um, I have had that experience before. That's not a universal thing, though. And so really the only way of checking uh, that you uh, have uh, paid the right amount of money is to go back and check your bank account uh, at some point later. Okay, if the bank, if a person, if the owner is actually um, a person who's got a disability, actually have to go and check a bank balance on their time, how much compensation do you think the banks should actually come up with for actually not having accessibility technology to start with? I wouldn't like to put a figure on that because that will be um, decided in, in a federal court case that's coming up um, on on the Albert uh, device. Uh, we're, we're unsure of when that's going to be, but it will go to court at some point. So I, I wouldn't like to speculate on it, but we are very much aware that this issue now really does come down to dollars and cents uh, and that you know we're, we've attempted to... Uh, pursue it from a human rights perspective. We've attempted to have really fair and honest conversations with the bank, uh, or with all of the banks, uh, about the implications of these sorts of technologies. And the banks have responded to that, but not in the way that uh, 
we have needed them to in the sense that this technology that is discriminatory is still out there. It's still being rolled out. It still exists, and it, it's not going to be taken off the market until these changes to it are made. And I might add, uh, just regarding tap and go, yes, there are um, the pos- there are the possibilities of using your smartphone to pay these days also, and that does provide an accessible way of being able to find out how much you've paid. That will come out come up on the screen, or you can check it immediately afterwards if you choose to turn your speech off and then turn it back on. However, we've got to remember that the majority of people who are blind or vision impaired are over the age of 65. They either can't afford a smartphone or they're not familiar with the use of, of that kind of technology. And so they're not embracing that technology because they don't feel able to do it at this point. And again, that, that that's the issue of having the right to choose which way you interact with your bank. So is blind citizens' position... In, um, in in all of this, is is that people should have or that all 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 um, all technology that is used by the bank should be accessible to to blind and vision impaired people. In fact, uh, to elaborate even further on that, um, we would go as far as to say that all technology that is. Uh, implemented by the bank should be accessible by every person in society. Um, you know, that there's a concept known as universal design. And what that means is when these, when these sorts of technology are designed and implemented, that they're designed with the idea at the very front of the design process that every person can use the technology. And, and that's... And that's obviously very important because people, people, people then don't face discrimination. The, and the the court case that's being fought, that's that's being fought because I think um, Nadia Nadia lodged a uh, a DDA complaint um, against the. And gets to the bank for for their Albert device. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. So there were several DDA complaints, uh, which which Blind Citizens Australia assisted uh, members to lodge, and two of those complaints uh, will go uh, will be uh, going to the federal court level. Uh, to two people who lodged those complaints have chosen to take that further, uh, and. And so we uh, are very much in support of those people who are courageous enough to take it that far. Uh, the the process of attempting to uh, conciliate a complaint can be very arduous in itself. And so if it doesn't work for some reason, there's then this whole other layer of, of, um, uh, of work that needs to go into uh, fighting for you know what, what a complainant believes is just. And and in supporting that person to be able to go through that process. What, what, so, what's what's been the bank's um, what what's what's but have the, have the bank been happy to um, happy to conciliate or, or happy to are they happy to look into your issues? The banks uh, or the Commonwealth Bank who we did conciliate with, yes, yeah, certainly they did respond, and we reached the point where 
while I can't talk about the conciliation process and, and the different uh, uh, the different points of uh, conjecture, let's say uh, they we we each got to a point where we uh, both sides had certain uh, demands, if you want to put it that way, or certain things that they needed, and the process ended at that point because neither side was able. Uh, to find a compromise which worked for both sides, if you want to put it that way. Uh, so, yes, uh, you know, in fairness to the Commonwealth Bank, uh, they, they certainly did uh, respond. And with the inquiry that I talked about before uh, into banking accessibility, uh, the banks have all come to the table, uh, particularly the, the four uh, major banks and some other banks as well. And we are in a discussion process about a way forward to ensure that this kind of situation doesn't continue to occur. And what about uh, what about the other banks in terms of their FPOS facility, facilities? Because not all businesses, I would assume, would go with the with the Albert uh, the the Albert technology. Um, the the other technology is rolling out um, at quite a consistent rate per week. And so what BCA, or Blind Citizens Australia, is doing at the moment is we've launched a campaign where uh, we've developed a series of postcards which can be posted out to uh, members of Blind Citizens Australia. Who And what the way that these cards are used is that when a person comes across an Albert, uh, they can give that postcard to the business owner and that postcard basically says uh, that we're, we, as people who are blind or vision impaired, can't use the Albert because it means we've got to divulge our pin. But we, we don't want to do that. And so if you find this as disturbing as we do, please send it to the, uh, please send the, the message to the Commonwealth Bank by saying that you don't want to use the Albert and that you want a replacement FPOS machine with a keypad on it. Uh, so I don't have the exact wording of the postcard in front of me, but that's the message that we're, we're trying to get across to businesses so that, in a sense, we can um, help businesses to become our allies, if you want to put it that way. Uh, and we, we certainly don't regard businesses and retailers here as uh, any part of the problem because once businesses find out, often they're more than willing to um, make the kinds of... Uh, accommodations for us that they can and that has included um, asking that the machine be replaced um, with a keypad or at least that they get a second machine with an FPOS uh, with a keypad on it. You're listening to The Boldness. Our guest tonight is Ricky Chaplin from Blind Citizens Australia who's telling us all about how the, well how the banks I guess are discriminating against their Customers broadly. Um, now, what about what about the humble uh, ATM? The humble ATM. I was almost going to make the mistake of saying ATM machine. Um, the the humble the humble ATM. Um, d- does that? Um, I know there were talking uh, or uh, talking ATMs. Have they been Have they been rolled out? And if if not, do people face the same issues when using ATMs that they they have to devolve their pin to a to to someone else in order to to uh, make a tra- transaction? 
At this point, we're not aware of an ATM that consists solely of a touchscreen. Um, the ATMs that we're aware of do have keypads as well as a touchscreen, uh, so that at least in theory you have the choice. There have been reports that some keypads or some particular keys have been locked so that you have to be able to uh, operate the touchscreen for some parts of the process. Uh, that seems to vary between banks once again, and uh, that that's the major problem, is that there's not a consistent approach to this issue. So we're, we're aware that technology like this can benefit people, but it, as I mentioned earlier, it has to be designed and implemented in the right way. Uh, we're aware that the um, touchscreen technology and how it's used in the banking sector uh, is not going to disappear, but it has to be done in such a way as to be inclusive of, of everybody, and that's our main point. Now, Ricky, is that as far as accessibility goes... Would maybe using, let's say, voice activation be a possibility or maybe having uh, kind of like raised screens for different parts of a touch screen for banking? Would that possibly work? That's one possibility. Um, I think the, um, the main point is that there have to be multiple ways of completing processes that we regard as everyday things, everyday transactions, for example. So... That might suit one person. Another person might need a physical keypad because they may not be able to use their voice, for example. Uh, another person may choose to use the, the tap-and-go method or use their smartphone um, for a variety of different, uh, different functions. And all of that is good. I think that the point is that when the way of accessing a device is limited to one method that's when discrimination can occur. Yeah, look, it's like, okay, is it, I understand that. Let's um, run through um, a situation. Let's say if a person was at, let's say, at the local supermarket, and that could be any number of number of supermarkets, what would actually... So if they only had, let's say, an Albert uh, terminal, how is the person going to actually uh, pay for it and actually have an everyday transaction and... That makes life extremely difficult because I think the emphasis with the banking sector is trying to do is put the emphasis on individuals to actually become responsible for their own banking because the banking hours aren't actually extended and instead of actually or physically going to a branch as well? Again, there has to be, yeah, multiple ways of, of doing uh, these things and it's not just about the technology you're right it's about being able to access these sorts of things do do these transactions uh using you know using phone banking for example using uh the method of the good old you know go into your local branch and, and speak to a staff member even a staff member you may know very well and this is the conversation that we've had uh regarding the uh development of the new banking standards uh, it's one of the uh, the major points that which I made on behalf of Blind Citizens Australia that uh, we can't consider any method of being able to uh, perform a transaction of being able to interact with our bank as obsolete once new technology comes along. Those things must coexist. Yep. Well, okay, so, uh, Finn, you've got another question there. I I don't. I was just going to ask for people who want to. Um, people, 
for people who want to, um, I guess who aren't uh, who who aren't members of Blind Citizens Australia, but may want to, uh, hopefully as a result of hearing this interview, may want to, um, I guess get involved in some way uh, in the campaign. How can they do that, Ricky? Yep, they can certainly contact Blind Citizens Australia uh, on our one eight hundred number. Uh, that number is one eight hundred o double three double six zero. If they would like to get some postcards, um, they can certainly distribute uh, those things, uh, the postcards, amongst their friends, amongst people they may know who are blind or vision impaired. That would be most helpful. There's lots of uh, other opportunities as well. So uh, we're certainly using social media like Facebook uh, and Twitter to be able to uh, disseminate the, the message about the need for a totally accessible uh banking technology and there will be other other campaigns coming out shortly uh, once they've they're, uh, finished being developed which we will announce in due course Fantastic, well I think that just about unfortunately we're, we're sadly out of time Ricky, we could uh, continue t- talking about uh, this for a while but sadly we're out of time, Th- thank you very much for joining us this evening I very much appreciate the opportunity and uh, and thank you for covering the topic. It's one that's most important for uh, for many people. And uh, we wish you all we wish you and Blind Citizens Australia all the best with your campaign. Thank you and the, and the same to you. Thank you. Thank you very much. That was Ricky Chaplin who is the advocacy officer at Blind Citizens Australia. Now, is there anything before we get out of here? Is there anything exciting you want to add of you Raphael, you got an upcoming gig you want to promote? Uh, I said I might be heading down to Station 59, which is in Chapel Street, Chet Street. I think it's East Richmond. Uh, Latin night doing some comedy. Fantastic. Well, get on, get on down there and have a cack with Raph. There and, there's, and there's also um, oh. the Mojo Film Festival happens on May the 24th, which is about mental health short films. Yes, and that... That would be that would be great to go to Heidi Heidi Everett does a fantastic job and her team at curating that. Now um, we've got to we've got to go now. What is our next? What's our final? What's our end track? We're going out on. That's what I was looking well, for. Well, first of all, the boldness will be back on the sixteenth of May. Next up, you have got Completa by Lovely, a Spanish-speaking <laughs> song. We're going out with. Planet of the Blind. Thank you very much. Keep listening to 3CR. And thank you very much to our panellist, Andy Brett, the techno wizard. And we, we just want to also say that, that uh, we, up next, our Spanish fr- friends are on and uh, they're going to have a good show. And we're going to continue to get their, the name of their program wrong before we get it right. So, Completed by Lovely. Well, let's, let's go with that. See you guys.
face, the false grin is blasted. Don't use it on me. Choose another victim to try out your therapy.